Welcome to the Firetime Podcast, where it's never hot enough, slow is fast, and the way to win is to make it so stupidly easy to buy from you that there's no excuse not to. I'm your host, Tim Reed. And once again, I am so excited to be here today. Thank you for tuning in to the Firetime Podcast. Now, I'm excited. I mean, season two is off and running, and guys, I'm just floored at the response that we're getting so far. It's been even bigger than season one, and I keep having people email me and uh, hit me up at these industry events just saying that they appreciate how helpful the podcast is, so thank you, guys. You know, I'm really glad that this is helping you move the needle in your businesses. Now, today's episode is going to be with Brandy Biswell, and if you have not heard of her, man, you got to start paying attention to the content that she's putting out there. So Brandy is based out of Kansas City, and she's uh, the owner of a company that's called Flues Brothers. And what I've appreciated about her is that she's also a business coach and a consultant. And so I think I came in contact with her content a year ago or so. It was Anyway, it was through the CVC Success Group platform, and she had these amazing courses about how to fire a customer, about how to run your customer service team, how to onboard someone into your company. And the second I heard it, I was like, holy cow, she knows what's going on and we got to get her on the podcast. So I can't wait for you guys to hear what she has to say. If you are running your business in a whirlwind, meaning at the end of the day, you look up and you say, gosh, what did I even accomplish? If you find that it's hard to get anything done unless you do it, This podcast is for you. This podcast is about the value of systems and processes and being able to build things in your company that can grow and scale to bigger than yourself. It's the only way that you're going to win. I know you're going to get a ton of practical wisdom out of it. Now, one piece of housekeeping before we get started is if you live in the Pacific Northwest, I'm actually going to be doing a speaking gig at the OHPBA Spring Conference that's coming up on May 20th. It's a Monday like I said, Monday, May 20th. It's in Salem, Oregon. And I'm going to be giving the same presentation that I gave in Dallas, Texas a month or two back that's called Make It Easy, How to Sell More by Eliminating Customer Confusion. It's going to be an awesome conference, and I hope to see you there if you're in the Pacific Northwest. I'm also going to be leading a panel discussion that's centered around StoryBrand. If you've heard me on this podcast, you know you've, I'm a big fan of StoryBrand. They're an amazing marketing company out of Nashville, Tennessee, and the concepts of what they teach can really move the needle in your business. So I'll be facilitating a panel with uh, some other businesses. Now, with all that said, I hope you enjoy this interview with Brandy. I think you're going to get a ton of value out of it. We'll circle back and talk about it afterwards. Joining me all the way from Kansas City is the owner and VP of Flues Brothers. I'm joined by Brandy Biswell. What's up, Brandy? How you doing? I'm great. How are you? Oh, I'm doing excellent. Thanks so much for being on the show today. Oh, I appreciate you having me on. Yeah. Now, I've heard a lot of your content in the past, and it's been awesome. I'm really excited for the audience to get to hear what you have to say. But really quick, um, can you just kind of give us a little bit of your origin story? What brought you into the fireplace industry and and working at Flues Brothers? Sure. So my husband and I um, have owned the company since the year 2000. And when I met him, he was a nurse. We were both doing nursing. And so then he had this opportunity to um, open the business, start the business. And I was like, what are you doing? I married a nurse, not a chimney sweep. So for a lot of years, I just said, you know, you go do that chimney sweep thing and I'm going to do my nursing thing. I remember very well, I used to hate going to like 
the dinners or going to the conventions and people would be talking <laughs> about all these chimney and fireplace things and it would just be so over my head and I would be bored to death and ready to go home and go to bed. And then in the year 2013 um, came October, which in our world means the phones are the craziest and the busiest they will be all season. Our office manager decided she wanted to move back to Wisconsin for a boy. And so he was kind of freaking out thinking, what am I going to do? Um, I, by this time, had completed my, completed my master's degree in nursing with an emphasis on hospital administration. I had been offered a promotion that I didn't really want to take. And so I said, why don't I come just get you through that busy season? And then in the spring, we can reevaluate, find you an office manager. So that office manager trained me in a week before she left for Wisconsin. And that was in 2013. And here we are in 2019. And I'm still here. Wow. And so what is it that you do specifically for the company since you're the owner and the VP? Yeah, so I mainly handle the human resources side, the office side of things. So um, I have three ladies in my office that work for me. I manage that and then manage just all things human resources with the technicians. I do the annual reviews, the hiring, the payroll, um, just the daily in and outs of putting out fires, etc. No pun intended, right? Putting out fires? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I, what I think about with this, because I've, I've heard you share a lot about system and process and, and building something from the ground up like you've done has got to be so, I mean, I just think that's a huge task to do. What's it look like for you to build systems and processes in that business? Yeah. So for many, many years, we didn't have any systems and processes in place. Um, My husband and I joke that literally he would hire you. If you had a pulse, you could start right then and you were good to go to work. (laughs) Yeah. A pulse and a warm body. So Exactly. So when I came on in 2013, we, we were dealing with some, some pretty crazy stuff. Um, he was literally just trying to keep the business above water. He was trying to do it all by himself. He had, I think, five technicians at the time working for him. And they they were people that hadn't been background screened. They hadn't been drug tested. They didn't care about our company. They were There was no culture, per se. And so we really had to break it down and start all over and just start creating those processes and those systems from the ground up. So I want to I want to pause really quick there because what you said is that's where so many businesses are. So many businesses are in the spot where they are just running as fast as they can, trying to stay ahead of it in the whole thing. If it hasn't crashed yet, it's about to. What was the moment for you that made you say we got to start investing in systems and processes? So there were two moments. One was when I, on a Monday, asked to have everybody, he, my husband used to give out petty cash, and I said, let's just do a petty cash audit, everybody bring in their petty cash. And I watched the blood drain from two of the technicians' faces. And they couldn't produce the petty cash. One of them had spent it on their rent that weekend, and I don't even know where the other one had oh spent it. Oh my gosh. It. One guy brought in like a bunch of change, just trying to like make up like he had the petty cash. So that was one of them. And then another one um, was when we had some guys um, literally dump material that should have gone down a chimney into a state park. And we got a call. And I was like, what is going on? These are people that should not be working for our company. They, They do not share our values. They do not share our ethics. I don't want them in our clients' homes. And so I I pretty much fired everybody and we just started over and we started over the right way with an onboarding process, an employee manual, um, an application that was appropriate and met the state and federal guidelines and just really started from the ground up because you're exactly right. One of the things I do as a coach is I go in to businesses and help them. And I think so many people are where Jeremy was at and they're literally just 
trying to make it through the day, trying to make it to the customer's homes, trying to do the best job that they can, but they don't have those systems and processes in place. And oftentimes they're they're hiring somebody in the office that has no training. It's very hard, obviously, to find somebody that can come into your office that has a background in chimneys, fireplaces. Well, you just hit the nail on the head that people coming into our industry don't have experience. And I think the the question of, you know, systems and processes is often a dirty word in our industry. You know, hey, we do it our way. We're entrepreneurs. We do our thing. And the fact of the matter is that if you're hiring people that don't have any industry experience, you got to have some kind of a system and process to train them up and to hire them. Otherwise, either A, they're going to burn out, B, they're going to have horrible habits, or C, you will never be able to do your job because you will be training them 24-7. I mean, isn't that right? Oh, absolutely. I remembered when I started, I, I was that person. I had a background in nursing. I didn't have any background in chimneys and fireplaces except what I had overheard. And I remember probably for the first three months, every day I was going, I had a new question for Jeremy almost with every single phone call because I didn't have that verbiage down yet. I didn't know the physics behind the way fireplaces worked. And so that was something I had to learn. And so that's something, you know, then now when we onboard, we make sure that nobody is on their own for the first three to six months. And until they get that certification, until they feel comfortable, because part of how we grow and how we are successful is we can answer those questions on the phone in a knowledgeable manner. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And systems and processes, I mean, they're literally so critical. And it was kind of funny. I, I, I'm teaching this year at the uh, HPBA Expo and I'm working on my presentation for it. And as I'm going through, I'm, I'm having to think through what are the most basic things I've done in my company to help us grow. And honestly, at the end of the day, it is the systems and processes. They're bigger than anything else that I've done because they can be repeated and grown without me being there. And I think that not enough companies realize that if you make the deep dive once into systems and processes, then you don't have to do it again because you've built it. And then it can kind of take care of itself. I mean, you got to manage it and, and lead it a little bit, but you're not having to be in there in the day to day. And, you know, I look at like, we've got an onboarding system that is the first 30 days, like super, super detailed out. And it's had generally really good success. We've got a pricing system when it comes to pricing out fireplaces or wood stoves or chimney packages that makes it so easy for a salesperson to provide the pricing and for a consumer to be able to get that emailed over to them. And as silly as it is, like those simple things, I think have been the biggest contributions that I've made to our business because it's made it easier for our team members to win and it's made it simple and repeatable to bring more people on. And it's so exciting. Isn't it exciting to watch that that salesperson come on and they know nothing and three months down the road, you hear them talking to a customer and you can just hear their confidence from everything that they've learned. It's so exciting to to just breathe into them and listen to them and watch them as they grow. Oh my gosh, yeah. So we, we just had, we had our, our Christmas party, which is way late, but we were just slammed through the holidays. So we had our Christmas party a few months later and uh, I'm giving out the sales awards and the guy that I gave our top sales award to is a young guy, he's like 24 years old. And I remember when he started at our company, he was like 18 and a half, 19. He started out in the warehouse. He did some work as a service tech, as an installer. He came into sales and here he is two years later, like the top salesperson. He's selling a ton. And I think like I, I got to be a part of that. And like when I, when I gave the announcement for him, I was, I was dead serious. And I said, Hey, you know, this guy's won this award at 24. I'm terrified of how good he's going to be when he's 30. <laughs> I mean, that's awesome. That's what you want to do as a leader. It's true. I love it. I love to watch that growth process occur. Well, so I want to talk specifically about something else. Like in particular, I love hearing you talk about your phone screening system, the way you record calls for quality and everything. Can you give us some insight into that? 
Yeah. So it's funny because the, the call recording is like, that's my number one thing. No matter if I'm teaching a class or I'm consulting with a client, I always pause right there when we talk about call recording and say, this is the number one thing. If you take nothing else away from me, record your calls. Yes. They are so beneficial for so, so many reasons. We can use them in training. So when I am onboarding, my new people, they spend a day or two just doing nothing but listening to old calls to hear what types of things come in, how we handle them. They can be used to go back if maybe there is an error in the office and something was written down wrong. We can go back and listen to the call recording and hear that information again. If there is some miscommunication between the customer and the salesperson or the office person, we can go back and identify where that breakdown happened in the miscommunication. Brandy, I th- I'm with you. I think the call recording is seriously, it's it's a must have for any business that's taking phone calls. But as a leader, how do you find time to go through and verify and check things? Like what's that look like for you on a regular basis? Because it's one thing to record the calls. It's a whole nother thing to do something about it. Yeah. So luckily um, in my role, I don't have to be that person. So I have an office manager that is charged with going back and listening to the calls and just doing that quality assurance piece. How many hours a week do you think that takes? Oh, not, not many at all. Because really, if you're doing it from the quality control standard, you're literally just going back to each person, which in our system, they're identified who, who took that call. And you're just going back and you're just randomly picking five or six calls and listening to yeah. them for that quality control, which does not take any time at all. Unless you get that chatty person. And in that case, you can forward through those parts of the call that aren't so important. Um, so it really does not take any time at all. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. And it's funny, you talk about the call recording. For me, w- whenever I go to, to teach someone the first thing I say, track your door swings. Very similar to that. I'm like, if you take nothing away from what I have to say, track your door swings. Find out how many people are coming in. What are they looking at? Why did they come in? Are you writing up a proposal? If you don't have that information, you literally cannot do marketing. You can't do it because you don't know if your marketing is working. You don't know if it's not working. You don't know if your team is being effective and writing up quotes with the people that you have. And it's funny that like, because for me, I'm on the sales end. For you, you're more on the office human resources side. But it's like, we have these go-to things that are so simple. But literally, I'm like, if you don't hear anything I say, just hear this, just track your door swings. Yes. And everybody I talk to that has implemented the call recording, they'll never go back. Once you go there, you can't go back. Yeah. Have you had to use that in tough situations with customers where maybe they're trying to kind of get around on you? I have had. So sometimes it's been genuine. Maybe a customer, maybe we've said the price and they haven't heard the first part of it and they, they genuinely didn't hear it. And you can tell that because we go over the call recording with them and they're just so apologetic. But I have absolutely had customers that were trying to pull some strings and say, no, your office told me this. And it does say at the beginning of our message that the call will be recorded. But I think a lot of people were so used to hearing that they just it doesn't register. Yeah, yeah. And so we do go back and play that call recording for them. And then they realize that we realize that they were trying to pull one over on us. Yeah. And I'm so fascinated by the call center because I think that that's one of the most valuable parts of a business. Do you, do you guys get as detailed enough as like a script or an outline of kind of a flow chart that they need to follow? We absolutely do. Um, And that's one of the things I was um, on the East Coast last week um, for several days working with a company. And that was one of the things that we were doing with them was implementing that flow chart and those phone scripts. And so number one, it makes it much easier when we are onboarding someone because we can get them up to speed very quickly if we're all following the same process. But number two, it helps so that we are making sure that that 
process for the customer is streamlined. That information that we're getting to the technician is streamlined. So they absolutely go down a tree to determine what type of unit we're going to be servicing. And then every customer gets the exact same script that's detailing out of our our service, as well as what's going to happen from now between the time we get to the appointment so that they're going to get that pre-appointment email, that they're going to get that text reminder with their appointment. They're going to get that confirmation. They're going to get that picture of that technician so they know who's showing up at their front door because we want to go ahead and show them that value while we have them on the phone that they're going to be receiving. Oh my gosh. I love it. I'm so glad that you guys do that. I mean, not many companies do. And I think that once we start talking about scripts and flow charts and things like that, I know it's so tempting in the audience to say, oh, that's just for big corporate companies that do that. It takes the humanity out of it. And it doesn't. It like I, I doesn't. It, but what it does is it empowers the people on the phone to be able to do their job with excellence, which makes happier customers. And I think, I mean, you guys aren't a giant corporation, right? I mean, you said you've got, you've got three people in the call center. Yes. No, we're not huge at all. So we max out at 14. So that's just what we've decided to max out at. Yeah. And I mean, and, and I'm looking at this too. I mean, this is just a side tangent, but like if you do a Google search for chimney sweeps, in your area, you guys have like almost 300 Google reviews that are out of this world and you look like this gigantic professional company because you're operating that way even though you're doing it on a smaller crew and that's what can happen you know, for any business that's listening to this if they're willing to invest in the systems and processes to do work with excellence. Well, and, and also, Tim, you know, it's just, it's, it's caring about our employees when we have those systems and processes. So one of the things when I do like stay interviews or when I'm doing annual reviews or when I'm just gathering feedback from my employees, employees want systems and processes in place. They don't want to feel like it's just the wild west out there. They, they want to know that this is our job to do and this is how we do it. So they want that process in place. It shows them that we care about them. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right there. So uh, we've kind of touched on this a little bit, but you actually do quite a bit of coaching for the CDC Success Group. And uh, we're actually going to have Jerry Eisenhower on this show later on in the season. But I'd love to hear you talk about, you know, what is the coaching that you do? and, And what do you find that most companies are hungry for when they bring you in? Sure. So um, most of my clients that I do the coaching for are on the office side. So I go into their company and it looks, I will tell you, it looks vastly different depending upon the company. So I go into the company, some companies are smaller and I may be working with them for onboarding and getting processes in place, phone scripts. That's what I was doing last week. I'm going to be at a company here um, in coming up in two weeks and they're a smaller company. We're actually going to be getting a occupational health facility contract on board while I'm there with them. And they have a smaller office and I'm going to be working with their office um, just to get some more systems refined and also just to get some things in place for how we communicate to the technicians. So it looks very different from office to office based upon what's going on. But I will tell you with all offices across the board and what everybody is hungry for, it just goes back to those systems and those processes having those in place so that it's not the wild, wild west. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Most dealers are in the wild west. I really believe that, don't you? I believe that most dealers and most companies are in not only in the wild, wild west, but they are also stuck in the early 2000s and they're not innovating. And and that's so that's part of what we're doing also when I go into these companies is I'm teaching them ways that they can upgrade their software yes. and put more innovative things and more innovative ways to communicate with our customers. Because in today's day and world, if you're communicating with your customers still on the phone, that's okay for our older population. But the younger generation, they want to book their appointments via text message, via online chat, 
Um, so we have to meet the customer where the customer is at. And, and that's through innovation. I'm so glad you said that. I'm, I'm with you that we have to meet the customer where they're at. And I think our industry is very guilty of kind of sitting on our laurels a lot of the time because we've had success in the past. And, and a lot of companies do operate, you know, out of the, out of the early 2000s. I, I had one uh, sales rep tell me he still has a lot of his vendors fax orders in. And I'm like, what? Is it like... 1993? I mean, like, what is going on with that, you know? And I mean, if you fax stuff in, I guess it's not, you know, terrible, but gosh, I mean, it seems like the world is changing. And, you know, I mean, I'm a technology guy, but only for the sake of it making my customers' lives easier. If I can use technology to do that, I'm gonna, because I'm just convinced that especially in the coming age now with how Amazon and Uber have set the bar for ease and convenience. Absolutely. We are being held to the same standard, whether we like it or not. So we better make it easy for the customer. Otherwise they're going to buy somewhere else. Absolutely. What you and I are doing now, although when your listeners hear it, we're going to be on audio, but you and I can see each other. Um, One of the things that we have in our company is we have a video chat on our website. So that way, if our customers want a video chat with us, they can. If they need to show us something on their fireplace, if they're having trouble figuring out how to change their remote um, batteries on their fireplace, we can video chat with them and help them virtually. And then they don't have to to wait for an appointment. They don't have to pay another service call. That is so good. Isn't that cool? It's awesome. And I've never heard of anyone doing that. So, okay, so who is it? Like, do do your service techs have certain hours that they sit in front of the camera? Like, how does that work? So in my office, all of us office gals are certified through the Chimney Safety Institute of America. Wow. So we have the exact same knowledge that the technicians have. Wow. And so we actually answer it right here in the office and help them. That is so awesome. So, okay. So, so I, I want to go into this now. I wasn't planning on going here, but so, so are they NFI certified? They are not NFI. They are CSIA certified. However, they could be NFI certified. That is part of our progression program um, that they can take advantage of. That is so amazing that you make that investment in the people answering the phones. That's amazing. I I think it's critical. I think it's part of, again, how we've grown and what has set us apart. Um, you know, especially in that crazy busy season when customers are calling around and they're, they're price shopping and they're not sure who they're going to use. Oftentimes they choose us because the person answering the phone has that knowledge. Um, so, you know, if a customer calls and they say, I think I need a cleaning, I've got smoke coming down my fireplace. We, we don't just stop there. We can go into all of the reasons why that might be happening, and we can go into the physics behind why that might be happening. And so that builds trust with the customer on the phone, and they see right away, hey, these guys know what they're doing. I'm going to use them, even though we're likely way more expensive than a lot of the companies they've called. Yeah, and I'm, I'm with you. That is so awesome. Okay, I want to ask you this. So one of the courses of yours that I've taken that is so amazing is called When to Fire Your Customer. <laughs> <laughs> I want to, for people listening to this, I mean, we all know what it's like to have a customer that is just difficult and bad, and you know the job's going to go bad before you take any money. When should you as a business fire the customer, and how should you do it? So the the answer is any time, at any point in time, you should fire the customer. So we have been groomed to believe that the customer is always right and that we should be afraid that they're going to get on and write a bad review and that we should bend over backwards. And we do want to give the customer the benefit of the doubt. We do want to be kind to the customer. But let's be honest to your listeners listening. If you deal with a large volume of customers, there are going to be some bad eggs in there. There are going to be some people with some ill Ill intentions. And so that firing can can happen right at the very beginning before any money has even exchanged hands. 
I'm sorry, but this is just not going to be a good fit. It can happen after they're already a customer and that money has exchanged hands. So we have a no rude policy here. So if a customer is rude to us on the phone, if our technician gets out to their home and they are rude, then they are fired and we will not work with them. That firing can happen. We've, I've had to fire customers that have been with us for 15, 16 years. And maybe it's just that we as a company have changed, but their expectations um, are still what they were when we were a much smaller company. And so that's that's a little easier of a conversation, you know, but um, it's just more of a, you know, I'm, I apologize, we've grown. It can't be this technician coming out to service you anymore. We have other technicians now that are also wonderful. Um, and so maybe it's just a mutual, we're not going to work together anymore. The customer, you know, that's rude, that's just an easy conversation of, Mrs. Smith, we have a policy here that we have to be nice to each other and you're not being nice to me. And for that reason, this is not going to work out. We're not going to be able to work with you. We wish you the best of luck in the future. I actually have, it's funny that you're bringing this up because I actually have a customer that, um, we have serviced for many years that my technicians were out on yesterday. We actually did not have notes, which is our fault that this customer had been rude. Um, but our technician put on our group line, you know, that she wasn't being kind. And it just so happened that the technician that was out there last year said, Oh, I remember her. And she was very unkind. So we're going to part ways with her because we just, we can't work together if it's not mutually beneficial for both parties and both parties aren't getting along. So how do you train your team to fire the customer? Do they fire the customer or do they get it to you or to the office manager? So they usually get it to me or the office manager mm -hmm. to fire them. In fact, so we are headed into what we call our coupon season here starts today. So where all of our previous customers get their coupon. So we did like a Facebook live video on this. And inevitably every year, one of those customers that we have fired that still wants to use us will call. And so the girls will see that as soon as they open up their file and see their notes. And so I instructed them today. Um, just a reminder, you are welcome to do that. If you don't feel comfortable, then you can come to me. If they're going to do it, it's just a matter of they read the notes and they let the customer know, Mrs. Smith, I have a note here that, you know, in 2013, we said we weren't going to be able to help you anymore. It just wasn't mutually beneficial. And so we won't be able to help you today. Yeah. And usually the customer, it's kind of funny, the customer knows and they're like, okay. And they just hang up because they kind of, I think we're expecting that conversation. I think that that's so good. And so many companies don't have the guts to do it. Like one thing that we've done at the sales end recently is we've categorized our estimates um, on, on, with a grade level, A, B, C, or D. And, base, and, and that's part of it is based on how do we think this customer is going to be? Are they an A customer that's going to be great to work with? They look for win-win scenarios or is it a D job where customers probably going to be difficult and we take that into consideration in the jobs that we choose to pursue and follow up on. So I think the ability to follow Gosh, the customer I love is really that. good. I, see, I just learned something from you. That's great. It, it's revolutionized our sales opportunities because this is just a sales tangent, but as a salesperson, you only have so much time in the day to pursue opportunities. And if you've got say, you know, 50 opportunities from the last month or two to pursue, and you only have so much time in the day, why not go after the A and B level stuff the hardest and the most versus going after D level jobs that probably aren't going to turn out good, you know? Absolutely. And I mean, we find that even all the time on the phone. Sometimes, you know, just when the customer is interviewing us and we're interviewing them, you can tell right away that it's not going to be a fit. It may be something as simple as them saying, um, well, I didn't want to pay over a hundred dollars and our minimum service call is double that. Yeah. And so, so we, we just know that not every customer is your customer. They might be the customer for someone else, but they're not the customer for your company. That's so good. I love it. Well, so I want to, I want to circle back here to something else. I mean, you get to see a lot of these companies and a lot of companies. I mean, what I found is that they genuinely, 
they want to do better. They want to take control, but they don't know how. So from your perspective, you know, what's the most relevant thing a company can do to take control of their business so that they can grow? So definitely having a handle on the day-to-day and having an, having an org chart. So having an organizational chart so that everybody in the company knows who they're going to, so that they're not always going to the owner of the company that's trying to stay out of the weeds and handle the very high-level stuff. And then from there, that innovation, making sure that they have the systems in place to innovate and staying in t- making sure they have the systems to play in place to stay in touch with the customer. So I see so many people where you go in and they are just advertising out the wazoo. They've got TV commercials, they've got ads running, and they're spending a fortune every month to advertise. And they don't even know, they're, they're not tracking and measuring that return on investment. So they don't even know how those things are working out for them. And then, you know, it's so simple that if they were just staying in contact with that other eight, nine, 10,000 customers that are already in their database and staying in touch with them on a regular basis, they probably wouldn't have to do any of that advertising. Because what we know is if you've been in business for a while and you have that database, if you just stay in touch with those customers, then they're going to keep coming back and they're going to word of mouth refer you. And you don't have to do that advertising. Oh my gosh, that is so good. And you know, I, uh, I, I do a lot of my presentations I do are on sales and marketing. So since I've started at Fireside, um, I, I manage stores in Oregon and Washington, but in Oregon in particular, when I started, we cut our marketing budget back by about 90%. And so our marketing is like, it's insane how small it is. I mean, like, I mean, it's, it's really, really, really small and we do almost nothing and we've grown, uh, you know, in the last number of years, we've grown exponentially and, and I'm convinced that I have no problem with advertising. I mean, TV is getting more and more expensive and Mm -hmm. frankly, it doesn't work the same way it used to. But like, if you want to do TV and that's your thing, like God bless you, but you cannot advertise without tracking it. And, and I, I, I go to talk sometimes at these conventions and things and, and I'll say something about TV advertising and, and I'll get pushback where a dealer will kind of take me to task of like, no, we've been doing TV for years and we get this amazing return and it's the only thing that works. And so I'll say, okay, everybody, um, I don't want to make anyone feel super guilty here, but if you want to be brave, raise your hand if you advertise and everybody raises their hand. So you put your hands back down, raise your hand if you track your door swings to find out how people are coming in. No one raises their hand. So I say, how do you know your TV is working? I mean, and I, I think that what you're talking about is so critical. You have to measure it. And if you don't measure, you don't have anything. Yeah. And having so that that your door swings are kind of like we measure when every call that comes in, we measure how did they hear about us? Yeah. And so our biggest lead source nowadays is through Google. Those those almost 300 reviews that you. Yeah. Uh, mentioned people reading those reviews. And so that's another thing. Sometimes I go into companies and they have a website or maybe they don't have a website, but then maybe they don't have Facebook or they don't have Instagram. And again, going back to that innovation, we know that the younger generations, they are all over social media. So having that social media presence and that's free advertising. Yeah. Well, I love this. I mean, so you're saying that the most relevant things, I mean, handling the day-to-day and the org chart, that's so critical. And I'm, I'm convinced that, you know, most companies don't have a process for running the day-to-day. It's like usually the, the president of the company is usually the chief everything officer where they're answering the phones, they're going out to do bids, they're going out to sell something. 
And and obviously there's times where all hands have to be on deck, but if you're a leader in a company, that should not be normal. That like what should be normal should be that you bring people in and empower them to do these things. And I think getting a handle on the day-to-day is, um, yeah, that's where it's got to start. So obviously you've built a culture that's really good and culture is a hot, you know, buzzword right now, but it is really important. You know, I mean, if people don't enjoy coming to work, they're not going to come to work. I mean, right now, I mean, gosh, everybody needs good people. So if you have good people and they don't like coming to your job, someone else is going to hire them. How have you built a culture that's so great? So I think through, again, through caring about our employees through those systems, I, I even go so far as to use the word love. There's a great um, poem called The Servant Leader that I love, and I have it posted in my office, and it's just something that I refer to in all of my classes and everything I do. Um, and it is really, it's really loving your employees. And so caring about them, caring about their day, caring about what is going on in their day and how they feel the customers are reacting, and then showing them appreciation when they do a great job, because we're definitely going to have to have the difficult conversations. That has to happen. We have to do the coaching. We have to do the feedback. But so oftentimes people get caught up in doing the coaching and feedback and they forget to say, hey, you did a really great job today. Or, hey, the way you documented on this fireplace was really great. Um, Celebrating with our employees. We do happy hours after work. Um, Next Friday, our company is um, off for the day, and they are all going to the UFC fight in Wichita, Kansas. And they're doing that as a company um, thing. I say they are doing it because us girls opted to do something different. (laughs) But (laughs) all of the technicians and um, Jeremy, my husband, are doing that. And so that's just a great, you know, team building. It's been a stressful winter. We've had a really long winter here in Kansas. And so they can really decompress and just spend that time together outside of work. So spending that time getting to know each other on that personal level, um, we celebrate birthdays within the company and we show that we show that culture on social media. So I love when I'm um, interviewing a candidate and I ask them, you know, what interested them in the position and they've checked us out on social media yes. and they have seen our culture and they bring that up. Like nothing excites me more when that happens. That's so cool. Yeah. I, I'm convinced you, you said it right up front, servant leadership. I think that you hit the nail on the head there. And I'm just convinced that people want to feel invested in. And so many companies have leadership backwards where they think that a leader is served by the people that work for them. And that could not be further from the truth. You know, um, man, I just, I keep thinking about, you know, pretty, pretty famous Bible verse about, hey, hey, as I have loved you, so also love one another. I think that applies to leadership that like, you know, if you are serving your people, then they are able to watch what you do to them and do that same thing to your customers. But if you are not serving and investing in your people, they have nothing to pour out to your customers. And I think that you're doing that. It's really cool. Yeah. Thank you so much. Now, what do you say when people look at you and they go, gosh, these systems and processes, I mean, this is a lot of work. I don't have time to do this. What do you say? I say you have to, you have to make the time. And I'm honest that a lot of our systems and processes have come out of the pain. So a lot of our systems and processes have become have come because we've had something go wrong and we're like, we can never have this happen again. We've got to create a system and a process moving forward so that this never happens again. So I tell them, you, you can't afford to not put them into place. And if they still say they don't have the time, I say, well, then hire me to do it. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> oh my gosh, that's great. Well, it's funny you say that, that they don't have the time. I mean, that's what everybody says. The truth is that we we do have the time. I mean, everyone's got the time. It's just what we choose to do with it. But but you're right that so much of this is born out of pain. And like this, I mean, this happened to me not that long ago. I'm embarrassed about it. But we had we had a job go sideways and and some stuff fell through the cracks. And so I'm like, man, like how did this, how did this happen? So I call up my buddy, Grant Falco, who's been on this podcast before and I'm telling him about it. And he goes, well, Tim, don't you have an urgent and complete report? And I'm like, what are you talking about? And he goes, yeah, any job that doesn't happen perfectly, it goes immediately on the urgent and complete report. And you have a weekly meeting going through every job, determining a solution and making sure that nothing falls through the cracks. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, like it's perfect. I don't know, like, I don't know why I didn't even think about that. And for him, it was just like, well, yeah, duh, that's the system that you use. And that way nothing slips through the cracks. It's the urgent and complete report. But you're right that it's, you know, it's, it's only as you go through the pain of this that you learn how to systematize it and do it right. And it just goes back to like, you know, they say that a fool can learn from their own mistakes, but a wise person can learn from other people's mistakes. Mm -hmm. And I truly think that the systems and processes is being able to listen and get wisdom from other people that have had the pain and have now come up with something to help other people avoid it. Yeah. And we have to get across the point to our, our staff that you're going to make mistakes and that is okay. Don't make the same mistake over and over again, but you're going to make the mistake. And guess what? We've got your back. We are here for you. We will help you correct the mistake. Again, as long as you're not making it over and over again, we are going to help you through that. And then when the mistakes do happen that, you know, I, I going back to my healthcare career, you know, when a patient died, you had the M&M meetings where you were Everybody was called in that was with that patient. We're looking at why did this happen? And we need to do the same thing in our industry. When something goes wrong with a fireplace install, we need to be looking at, okay, exactly where did this go wrong? What were the systems that fell and happened? Because we know that anytime something goes wrong, it's typically not just one person's fault. It's typically gone through three or four people or systems or checks. And so then just course correcting. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And that's so big. Well, so the last question I have for you is kind of a general one. You can you can kind of take this wherever you want, whether it's sales, systems, processes, bigger than that. But from everything that you've seen, I mean, you travel all over this country speaking with folks. You know, what's the one thing that people in our industry need to be aware of? To keep evolving and and to keep up on their own education and their own we as a leader and as of leaders in the, within your company, we need to make sure that everybody is educating themselves every day, however that may be. I love podcasts, so I listen to a lot of podcasts, following all the different forums, but we need to keep evolving and keeping up with the latest technology and staying ahead and up to speed with that game so that we can continue to grow and continue to be successful. I love it. Brandy, that is some serious wisdom. Thanks so much for coming on the podcast today. We are so thankful to have you here. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I enjoyed it. All right, we'll see you later. Well, guys, I hope you got some serious value out of that. I know as I listen back to it, just as I go through and edit these, man, I think that what she's talking about is so relevant. I mean, I've worked for a few different businesses in this industry, and as I've been able to travel the country for the last couple of years, I, I just don't see many retailers who are taking the step to build systems and processes. I know that for me and the team that I run, 
The systems and processes that we've put in place are our lifeblood. They give us clarity and direction. They make our lives easier. And I mean, it's just, it takes time to build initially, but once you build it, I mean, you can really start to run fast. I think I heard a wise friend say, slow is fast. And building systems and processes is that slow work that allows you to run fast on the back end. Now, a couple of things I thought were just awesome that she talked about, you know, number one, the idea of call recording. This is so good. And actually, our company does this too, but I want to take an even deeper dive into the way that we manage it after talking to her. But guys, call recording is crucial. If you are running any type of a business where you are interacting with customers on the phone, you got to record those calls and use them for training purposes. Another thing I thought was great is the idea of (laughs) when to fire a customer and just the idea of we have a no rude policy. I mean, that is so good. And as businesses, we can't be afraid to fire a customer. I mean, what I found is that most of the time, if customers are mean and nasty and rude before money is exchanged, it only gets worse once money is on the table. And it is so much better to cut ties, even if the conversation's a little bit more uncomfortable than you'd want it to be on the front end, as opposed to saying yes, doing the job, and it blows up in everybody's face. A no rude policy is just brilliant. You know, another thing that's great is the fact that they certify their people on the phones. I mean, and even just hearing that they, they'll have them FaceTime in, that is brilliant. I mean, what a way to differentiate yourself from the competition that the people answering your phones are certified in different chimney and fireplace techniques. And what they can do is if you can't figure it out, they'll just whip out their smartphone, put it on FaceTime and walk you through it. I think that Those are kinds of things that give immense value that will have customers keep coming back for more and more and more, even if the price is a little bit higher, because they know that they're going to be taken care of the first time in the way that is right for them. You know what it really comes down to is it comes down to communication. A little while back, I did an offsite for about four hours with some of the leaders of the different departments of our company. And we're looking at, you know, how can we tighten the screws and get better and better and better? So we started looking at, you know, what are the the biggest pain points that us and our customers have and how can we go about solving those? And honestly, almost every single one came down to communication. I love that Brandy is running a tight ship when it comes to communicating with customers. That's where most of the issues come from. Guys, if you can tighten up the communication, you'll be amazed at how happy your customers are. So with all of that said, guys, I am so thankful that you listened to this episode, that you're getting value out of it. I will be doing a Q&A episode coming up. So if you have questions that are specific to your business, please send them to me at Tim at itsfiretime.com. Again, that's Tim at itsfiretime.com. Thank you so much for listening to this, guys. I am excited to see how you move the needle growing systems and processes in your business. Thank you for listening to the Firetime Podcast. To learn more, visit the website itsfiretime.com. Music from this episode was written and recorded by In Bloom out of Portland, Oregon. We thank you for listening to the Firetime Podcast, where it's never hot enough, slow is fast, And the way to win is to make it so stupidly easy to buy from you that there's no excuse not to. We'll see you next time.